stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Zach's strategist and the editor of the Tech Innovators Portfolio here at Zach's, Andrew Rocco. Welcome back, Andrew. Thanks, Tracy. Good to be with you again. Yeah, and because we have Andrew on, you know that we're probably going to talk about technology, and we are. And I asked him to be on because it seems like we're at some kind of inflection point about the tech stocks. We had the big rally to start the year. Everyone knew it couldn't last forever and that we were going to have a pullback. But now that we're in the middle of the pullback, it seems here in August 2023, it's it seems a little more dicey than I anticipated. But maybe it's just because I'm not used to seeing this kind of pullback after this kind of rally. So I invited Andrew on to give us the scoop on what he thinks is happening out there. Is this uh, the bears returning or is this a buying opportunity on some of these? Is it? basically a garden variety pullback, but we just can't take it. I don't know. But Andrew, I'm glad you're here because uh, this has been bothering me for a little while. And so I think it is for everybody else out there who's listening as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would definitely agree. And it, it does feel like it pulled back a little more than than most people anticipated. Uh, if you look at the chart that I have on the screen, that's just the NASDAQ 100 QQQ ETF. What I advise newer traders and traders of all kinds, actually, before jumping into a deep dive of economic numbers and, and things of this nature, is to simply console a price and volume chart. The reason is, is when you think of a doctor, they're going to use an X-ray. A trader's version of an X-ray is a uh, price and volume chart, specifically a weekly or longer term chart. I think a lot of people conflate technicals with short term, but I believe the most power comes in the longer term charts. And the, the NASDAQ 100, what happened is it rallied almost all the way back to those highs uh, before the 2022 devastation and, and bear market. Um, but what I say is look left on the chart, and that really tells you where price is likely to pull back. So if you look left on the NASDAQ chart, we came back to those old highs. And then sure enough, we need to digest because there's a lot of supply at those old highs. A lot of old sellers who are, once I get back, break to even, I'm going to you know sell my shares. So I think that's what we're encountering uh, currently, at least from a, a tech stock perspective in the NASDAQ 100. Okay. So what does that mean of their old highs? Is that I see, you know, uh, a dip there and we, we pulled back what, like 8% or something off the recent highs. So is that just like a 10% pullback then? And then, then some buyers will be coming in there. Yeah. So the, the old highs that I'm referring to is yeah. The all time highs that we put in, uh, before the 2022 bear market came into play. Oh, uh, I now, see. Yeah. Now as for gauging, when it's going to end, uh, what I would look at is the 21-week simple moving average, 21 week, not day. I have it laid out on this chart, but for the listeners, you can bring it up. Just make sure you put in week, not day. Uh, and and one the reason I'm looking at this specific moving average is you could just see how price has reacted to it a bunch of different times. So on the way up, it, it found support. 
then in the bear market, it would rally up to that 21 week fail, rally up, fail, rally up, fail. It did that like three or four times. And then um, now in this, this what I think is a new bear mar uh, bull market, we got support there and now we're just pulling back to it. So it's, it's a good intermediate term um, moving average to look at uh, when you're sizing up the technicals. Okay. So it sounds like you think we will uh, take out those all-time highs that we saw in 2021 before the big sell-off. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Uh, I think it could happen either later this year or early next year. Uh, one thing I did want to discuss, I'll just move to my next slide here. Uh, one thing I did want to discuss is seasonality, and, and we're trying to decipher, right, if this is garden variety, which basically means a normal pullback within a bull market, or is this the start of a bear market? Uh, and and one thing that lends credence to it being a, a garden variety pullback would be seasonality trends, specifically in a pre-election year. So the chart that I have on the screen right now, basically it's overlaying the average uh, four-year cycle with what the S&P 500 uh, is doing this year. And, and it, it's been playing out pretty much on point. We got the early year rally or the first half year rally. And then August and September tend to be seasonally weak, especially in a pre-election year. And especially when the S&P 500 has had the type of move that it's had. Usually, um, when the S&P 500 is up this much, uh, the first half of the year, the second half of the year, it's usually higher, but it has an eight or nine percent pullback. And I think that's what we're in the middle of. Just no market's going to go straight up. You need to digest those gains. You need to shake out uh, some of the frothiness. You know, of course, everyone jumps on board late who is retail or an amateur investor. So all that frothiness needs to be shaken out. But in my mind, it's, it's a normal summer pullback. A lot of times these institutional investors, the Stanley Drucker Millers of the world, Will Danoff, they'll go on vacation. So there's a lot less liquidity in the market during the summer months. And um, that's why I just kind of like to pull back my trading uh, come August and, and September. So what is your take on the 10-year then? It's rallied to the new highs now. And a lot of us have the memory of last year when it was also rallying. And so, um, you know, that gives me a little bit of jitters when I see the 10-year doing what it's doing. So how does that play in into the seasonally weak period that we do normally see at this time of the year? Uh, is it going to exasperate like a sell-off during this period or what's, what do you think is going to happen with that? Yeah, I looked at the data on that and there, there's nothing that stood out to me. Sometimes it, it means worse returns going forward for the market. Sometimes it, you know, it pulls back and the market is, is fine. So I really wasn't able to determine anything from that. But, but right now, while that 10 years rallying, you know, the, the market is going to have some jitters. Uh, and, until that settles down. So, um, but I statistically, I didn't see too much um, from that, especially when it hits a 10 year high uh, after, a, you know, ha having not hit a 10 year high for 200 days. So um, that was the data that I was looking at, but nothing stood out to me from, from that perspective. Okay. 
Um, let's turn to some specific stocks because you and I have been talking about those offline before we came onto the podcast. And that's what everybody wants to know about, <laughs> some specifics. Uh, so let's start with NVIDIA maybe. NVIDIA is reporting this week. When we recorded this, they had not reported earnings yet. And um, I, I kind of want to know your take. I feel like it's being priced for perfection and that the weight of the entire market is weighing on its shoulders here. All I keep seeing is these tweets out there about, oh, if NVIDIA doesn't have a good quarter, it could have all these impacts on the overall market. But do you think that's true? And um, how, how much should we be paying attention to NVIDIA's earnings this week? I think it's definitely worth paying a lot of attention to because in my mind, it's it's the market leader. So uh, back in the day, the GM CEOs used to say, uh, as GM goes, so goes the market. I feel like in today's day and age, it's as NVIDIA goes, so goes the market. It, it's just the leader from so many aspects. We use semiconductors and everything and the big growth area. Um, or, or what we want to be the growth area of the market is is obviously the AI revolution, which NVIDIA is selling the picks for the, the gold miners in that. So um, I think it's definitely worth paying attention to. It's it's obviously a risk on kind of trade. So, you know, if if, um, if NVIDIA is taking on a lot of damage, I don't see QQQ, you know, continuing higher without it. So um, I don't think the market depends on it, but I think it's going to almost act as like a leading indicator um, of the market. It, it's an institutional favorite. Uh, what I like to say is it has the magical elixir. So it has uh, tremendous growth, it has tremendous innovation, and it has tremendous liquidity, which uh, is hard for institutions to find. They can find growth, but a lot of times the kind of growth that NVIDIA has um, they can't find the liquidity. So if you're Will Danoff and you run a mat, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars, you can't just pile into a, a penny stock without liquidity. So I think um, for that reason, a lot of institutions are piling into it. And I believe it's almost going to become like a self-fulfilling prophecy where you're going to ask your money manager, hey, why are you not in NVIDIA? It's up this much year to date. And it almost builds on itself from that perspective, which I think could be a positive, of course, until it just gets uh, climactic. Yeah, it seems to be the only stock that is the must own. Every portfolio should own it. And if you don't, you eventually will soon probably say, oh, gee, I have never bought that. Yeah, it's up 200 plus percent in the last year, but oh, well, I'm I'm diving in anyways to, to get it. And that feels like it's going to give it another leg up. Um, but... You know, I took a look at over the last month, it's up only 3.3% in the last month. So, um, you know, it doesn't, it, it has kind of uh, taken a pause here, I feel, ahead of the earnings. Yeah. And I would say that upside volatility is, is part of the game, right? You're not going to have a stock that goes just straight up. Um, otherwise, we'd all, of course, be rich. But um, when a stock has a, a gap up like that, usually I find it has to digest. And it's it's doing exactly what you would want it to do if you're long since that gap up. It's it just kind of meandered sideways. It, it broke down behind, below that the 50-day moving average, which is a, an obvious level that a lot of traders watch. And then it, it busted right back through it and, and um, you know, 
bargain hunters came into the stock. But my view from an earnings perspective is that the CEO, Jensen Wang, he, uh, you know, they raised the estimate from $5 billion to $11 billion, which I don't know about you, but that's the craziest uh, revenue raise that I've ever seen. And I don't think that he would do that if he didn't think they were going to earn that. He wouldn't do that and then miss those estimates. So I think there's a good shot that they even beat this $11 billion revenue number. Now, how the stock moves in the short term, it's anyone's guess. It's a binary binary move. They might try to kill the options. Um, but one thing I have seen is a lot of longer term call buying activity and put selling activity, meaning they're bullish on the stock. And a lot of times when someone's really bullish on a stock, they'll sell puts and that shows a lot of conviction. So uh, from a medium to long term perspective, personally, I'm, I still remain bullish. It's anyone's guess what happens in the short term. I know the, the options are implying about a 10% move um, following the earnings. Okay. Um, yeah, the, the earnings are tremendous. Is that what you you brought to us? Is that on the slide here? Yeah, these are the Zach's consensus estimates. And yeah, you could just see, I mean, for the size of company that NVIDIA is, that that is a pretty good growth, of course, if they hit those numbers. But that, those are the Zach's consensus uh, for the next few quarters. Okay, so for this quarter, it's looking for 303% earnings growth. So the Zach's consensus is at 206. Last year, they made 51 cents in this quarter. So usually you only see that in like a commodities play like we did last year when the commodities prices all spiked during the Ukraine war and then earnings did the same. Now those have come back down to earth. That's how the commodities plays works. But in a big tech, you normally don't. And one that's been around for like 25 years, you normally don't see something like that. And then I can see fiscal 2024 um, for the full year expected to be up 133% to 779 from 334 last year. And then analysts, of course, bullish on next year, next fiscal year, up another 38% to 1077 there. Um, but as you mentioned, I used to look at the Google uh, earnings consensus or alphabet now years ago. And even as big as they had been like five to 10 years ago, they kept doing the earnings growth was still over 20%, like year over year over year. And I thought like at some point they have to stop, like how can they at their size, you know, you're talking like trillion dollar companies, how, how can they continue to grow the earnings at even the double digits up over 10% is outstanding, but over 20, it's very difficult to do. And I remember reading in some investment book years ago where they would say, oh, it, growth stocks in the beginning of their history, sure, they can do double digits. They can do over 20% for a number of years, but eventually all companies go back you know, under double digits because they have to. It's just kind of the law of when you get that big, it's really hard to grow double digits when you're huge. But these companies seem to be defying it. They seem to be gaining the market share instead of, you know, losing it as they get bigger. And we're definitely seeing that with NVIDIA, with this AI. They are the leader in it. And, you know, they kind of almost have like a monopoly in some ways for now in this. And that's why you're seeing this huge 
earnings gain. And so even as a value investor for me, um, I'm not down on NVIDIA and I, I do think everybody should own it because this is just a tremendous business and it's not cheap, but you want to own the best in class. You want to own those that have some kind of monopoly power or whatever they have. And I want to own this kind of earnings growth. So even as a value, I, I can disregard the higher PE and all that stuff that they have right now, because look at that growth. They are literally growing into it in the span of one or two years. Right. Yeah. And they're pay they're paying a premium for that growth. One thing I would say about the 303% growth numbers. Remember, we're coming out of 2022, which was rough on, on big tech and, and rough on all earnings, even NVIDIA. So those numbers are a little bit higher than I think they normally would be, but they're still outstanding. And, and right now there's an arms race almost. You see China rushing in to buy chips in case, and, and this is also a risk for NVIDIA admittedly, but they're they're rushing in to buy uh, chips from NVIDIA because they want to have AI on their own. Baidu's looking into uh, AI. I'm sure Alibaba will move into AI. The Saudis are buying a bunch of these chips. So it's going to be a global race right now. Um, OpenAI and, and Google kind of own uh, the chatbot space. But I, I, I would can just see it happening where all of the world is just going to try and get their piece of, of the AI, the um, larger search engines that are international um, try and move into the space. So what do you think of Microsoft then? So when all this, you know, the chat GPT and all that came out and Microsoft has the Bing, people were using it um, with the with the AI in there. And, uh, you know, I've owned Microsoft for a number of years in my own personal portfolio. So I did buy some shares a couple months ago. Uh, I added a few when this all broke out and then the stock surged on all the AI news and they had a decent earnings report for this quarter, but the stock has fallen back and it's not huge. I think it's like 6% in the last month, but it feels like more painful, like I said in the open, because we've had this big rally and now what do you mean it's down 6%, but what do you think about Microsoft on the AI side? Because is this a buying opportunity in that one? Yeah, I, I would say Microsoft is best in breed uh, from the AI perspective. I, I think, well, the best is NVIDIA because they're selling the picks, as I mentioned, but Microsoft has the best chatbot in, in cahoots with uh, OpenAI. And again, Microsoft is kind of doing the same thing that the NASDAQ 100 did. Microsoft just almost got to those all-time highs, reported earnings. Everyone was expecting them to be great. They were great, and it sold off. So um, these things happen. That's why I think it's important to kind of know your time frame. I know that you typically have a longer time frame. So, um, you know, buying a few months ago, I, I think is, is perfect. Um, but if you have a shorter time frame and you're, you're chasing these stocks into a seasonally weak period, obviously it's not going to work out as well. But yeah, from an earnings perspective, even outside of AI, uh, Microsoft's business has been firing on all cylinders. So um, that's another one I would expect to find support around that 21-week moving average and, and rally into year-end with the, the Santa Claus rally. Okay. Uh, let's change directions and talk about Tesla. Um, we always included on these tech, these tech uh, podcasts 
even though it could be debated whether or not it is, but everybody calls it a tech company because of its technology. So let's, we are going to talk about it. And everybody owns this stock too, or it feels like everybody owns it now, but it's kind of had a wild ride recently. And I'm wondering if this is a buying opportunity off of the we- recent weakness that it's had. So I see down over the last month, it's down almost 11% in that period. So what do you think about Tesla now? Yeah, uh, Tesla is one that I recently purchased in the tech innovators portfolio, actually before this recent uh, Cybertruck news. Uh, I have it on my screen now, but for, for those of you listening, it's gone on a tremendous run. It broke out of a multi-month base, and then it pulled back to the top of, of the base structure, this, this multi-month breakout. So again, I think it's important to put in context the move um, the recent move, the short-term technicals within the realm of the long-term technicals. So if you look at where it came from, it was in the 80s, and now it's at 223. It's pulled back from you know 290-ish, 300-ish to 223. So I think the context is important. Of course, if you bought at 290 and it's at 290, uh, 223 now, it's not fun. But um, this is why timing is important if you're a shorter-term trader. Uh, in the long term, I think they just have so many catalysts. They have the site. Well, coming up, they have the cyber truck. I know Elon is going to try and get them more involved in the AI realm. They have the EV charging stations, which I think is going to be an underrated catalyst with you see Ford and GM joining that. So I think they're the leader in the EV space. They're going to ha- continue to have the most market share and there'll be room for others to join but i think the ev space is going to continue to uh to to move higher uh and and tesla's the king of that space okay we've been mainly talking about a lot a lot of the winners of this year even though some of them have, have pulled back in august they're still up big they're still the big winners but what about some of the like fintech side of things that i've been taking a look at that aren't winners and they've really sold off here in the last month so i'm thinking about paypal over the last month <clears throat> down 16.5% and block aka square ticker sq on that one still they still haven't managed to get the block uh uh ticker at all so still sq down 26% in just the last month um paypal i think was at like multi year lows not that long ago is this an opportunity in these or is the market actually signaling something else about these fintechs that they think is not going to be good going forward here. Yeah. So to these two, I'm kind of on the fence. I, I the, the reason I'm on the fence is I think their quality businesses, the growth has just slowed down a bit. Um, but I always ask myself if the market is up so much, why are these stocks not up? Uh, so they're showing relative weakness in other words. Um, now, if they do have a reversion to the mean, I think it can be large and, and, um, it, for some portfolios, it might be worth the speculation. But personally, I would want to see more proof. I want to see it get back above the 200-day moving average. I want to see earnings start to turn up a bit. Um, but they are into major support. I mean, these stocks have given given back a tremendous amount. So they might be worth it from a speculative point of view. Um, but it, it's, it's hard to argue uh, from my perspective to own more PayPal than Microsoft, for example. Microsoft's just dominating. Yes, the stock has pulled back, but 
I think it's just a lower risk type of play. Um, but again, if these revert to the mean, I think it could be a large reversion. Okay. Um, are there any tech stocks in, in certain areas that you've been watching that maybe the overall market has either, you know, uh, oversold, discounted? You said you just bought Tesla because you did consider that to be oversold. But is there uh, some other names that are kind of lurking out there or an area uh, like the fintechs, but you don't like that area, but it's some other thing that, you know, because we are so obsessed with the Magnificent Seven that these other ones are getting overlooked, but you find that there could be an opportunity in some of those. Yeah, I would say one that I'm looking at and I'm in in the tech innovators, we're down in this position. I'm in in my per personal portfolio and we're down in it as well, but I'm, I'm still bullish on it uh, over the next six to 12 months would be Coinbase. The reason being is um, it has a bunch of catalysts. Uh, one of the, the main ones is the potential ETF uh, rollout of Bitcoin ETFs. So, um, and and the, I think that the ETFs are going to be accepted by the SEC eventually. Now, it, it hasn't, and that's why the stock has been falling recently. But the reason I think it will be is because BlackRock has put in a application for an ETF. And I think BlackRock has gotten like 550 approvals and like one that they said no to for, for BlackRock. So they have a tremendous track record. And the way this benefits Coinbase is that Coinbase is the custodian. So each of these firms like BlackRock, Fidelity, if they get accepted, they're going to be using Coinbase as the custodian. Uh, and then another thing about Coinbase is it has a ton of cash on hand. So even though the stock is going down, their cash hoard is is growing. And I've even seen um, some some famous value investors say, "Wow, I'm not a fan of crypto. I hate crypto, but Coinba uh, Coinbase, their balance sheet is is uh, strong." So I like the balance sheet. I like the potential uh, ETF catalyst as well for that stock. Uh, well. This has been interesting and I know, you know, things could still be dicey over the next couple of weeks based on the seasonality patterns we talked about. Uh, but I'm going to be watching obviously all these tech stocks, everyone else's too, because let's be honest, this is what everybody's buying. <laughs> this is what we want to own. And if we can get, you know, some of them in a, you know, a good buying opportunity type of situation, we will do it. And it looks like, you know, there have been some this month and maybe more to come. Uh, but I want to repeat the stocks that we talked about on this episode in case you missed any of them, but they're pretty familiar to most of us. But we did mention Microsoft, ticker MSFT. I do own that in my own personal portfolio. NVIDIA, NVDA, if you don't already know. Tesla, also TSLA. I think most of you know that one. PayPal is PYPL. And Block, otherwise known as Square, is just still SQ on that one. And Coinbase is Coin, C-O-I-N. And Andrew, you said you owned uh, Coinbase in your own personal portfolio, I think. Do you own any of these others? Coinbase, Tesla, NVIDIA in both my uh, personal and the innovators uh, portfolio. Okay. 
Um, so you're you're buying what you preach there, and yes. eventually someday <laughs> I will be buying Nvidia for the portfolio too. But I kind of do joke that when I finally buy it, it probably will be the top, right? After all this time, um, when I finally dive in, it'll probably be you know towards the end of this nice rally. But um, I'll be sure to let everyone know when I do dive in, so you can plan accordingly with your own trades. Uh, but as always, you can get us on this podcast everywhere. There's podcasts on April on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and we have recorded it as a video podcast, as you can tell, just even by listening. And you can get those on our YouTube page at zax.com slash YouTube. And Andrew and I will both be tweeting out this video as well, so you can get it on either of our Twitter or X pages. And Andrew's um, Twitter address is just Andrew. Rocco, R-O-C-C-O, number one is his Twitter. And I'll have try to put that up in the video as well so that you can just see it and know how to follow him and me on Twitter because, or Z or X, whatever they're called now. <laughs> so because we are tweeting out a lot about uh, the tech stocks, obviously, I ch- tweet out the earnings charts and Andrew t- tweets out a lot on technology and various charts and things. And so you don't want to miss any of it. Be sure to get us somewhere. And as always, I'll be back again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.